Himalayas Studios. I want to thank you guys beforehand for, for this conversation because I've just spent this entire morning listening to right-wing podcasts for research. And uh, I've, I've been a, been a research for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Samin has some really extreme. Uh, I feel very strongly it, about the right wing of the turkey. Uh, you beat Is me that to, what I you couldn't. Were do? Yes, that is what I was going to say. <laughs> wow, I can't even do it now. It's impossible to chat with Samin Nasrat and Rishikesh Herway for more than a minute without someone laughing. And that vibe, warm and delightful, is one of the ways their podcast, Home Cooking, has helped bring comfort to listeners. When people call and I get to help them, that's easy and fun. Like, all of mm. that is just tr- pure joy. It's, like, easy and joyful. <laughs> and if that's <laughs> something that, like, makes people happy, I'm happy to share it, you know? Mm. Like, we, we've made a, a big, fat, whopping zero dollars on the show so far <laughs> like it's not we're not doing it for money <laughs> right like <laughs> you do get to fill your cup essentially yeah like we're just <laughs> yeah totally like i'm just trying to like get through covid too you know <laughs> from elias studios this is servant of pod i'm nick Kwa. this week the joy of cooking with samin nasrat and rishikesh herway Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. Even if you haven't heard Home Cooking, you've probably stumbled across either Samin Nosrat or Rishikesh Harway's work. Samin is a chef and writer who wrote the best-selling book Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, which was adapted into a Netflix show back in 2018. She also writes for the New York Times and has been featured on pretty much every cooking show you could name. And Rishi is the creator behind the podcast Song Exploder, which launched back in 2014 and became a Netflix series this year. He also co-created the West Wing Weekly and produced Partners for Radiotopia and MailChimp. With such intense schedules, it's hard to imagine how Samin and Rishi would cross paths, much less become friends. I have been listening to Song Exploder for years. I think since like there were maybe just 10 episodes. I think that was around the time I found it. Oh, the very beginning then. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, and it's such a great podcast. And it has barely any Rishi in it, which is why it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, I love this podcast. And then, um, and I really became a fan of it and the craftsmanship of it. You know, it's just like really beautifully made. 
And I am a super fan in that way where when I like something, I want to know about the person who made it and the brain of the person who made it. So I started following him on Twitter. So I was a fan of Rishi's for a long time. And then when my book was being published the week before my book came out for my first sort of public event with Wendy McNaughton, who illustrated my book, we did this event at Pinterest, like the Mm. tech company. Rishi was also on the slate of speakers. He was uh, he was like going up right after me. And I was really excited to sort of get to experience Rishi's talk. But then because of the way the thing was, Wendy and I did our presentation and then we went back to sign books. So we totally missed Rishi's talk, but he got a copy of our book and he watched our talk. So I think he became familiar with our work and started following me on Twitter. And then we became Twitter friends. And then it took, I think, what, two years? How long did it? Take for us uh, to actually meet in person. That was 2016. And then we didn't really hang out until 2018. Oh, that was... Tw- I always think my book came out in 2016. Fuck. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. Yeah, my book came out in 2017. We didn't meet until 2018. That's right. So it took a year. Well, is is that how you remember it, Rishi? Yes. Yeah. I got my copy of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat from Pinterest as sort of like a thank you gift for, for doing the event. And... I fell in love with it immediately. You know, like before I was even out of the building, I was looking at it and taking pictures of pages. And then I remember like driving back to where I was staying. I like took a picture of the cover of it and was like, this book is amazing. And I tweeted it. And that was when, and I looked for Samin to tag her and I saw that she was already following me. I was like, oh my gosh. And so then we started following each other and then we became became just sort of like DM friends for a while. And then she started coming down to LA for her TV show, hmm. and then that gave us an excuse to start hanging out in person. It wasn't until Thanksgiving of 2018 that the idea of a podcast even crossed our minds. One of the times when Samin was here visiting, uh, she came over to, to my house, and I was getting ready to make mango pie, which is a family recipe, a dish my mom made every Thanksgiving. and uh, It's also and- now famous, uh, apparently. Right. Yeah. Samin ended up writing about that mango pie in the New York Times. And the way that happened is also the way that our podcast started in a way, because I was having trouble getting the result of the pie to be exactly the way that my mom's turned out. Mm. Um, It's supposed to be this like perfect kind of golden, smooth texture, this mix of cream cheese and Cool Whip and mango puree. And I kept getting these little white flecks in the texture of the thing and it wasn't right didn't look right didn't feel right and so i i was a little sheepish to call my family <laughs> and instead i called samina like, what do you think <laughs> the problem is here after a few exchanges back and forth she like successfully decoded the the problem which was that i hadn't brought all of my ingredients to room temperature before mm. Combining them, I was like, "You okay, really lied over the part where I told you what it was right away, and you doubted me, and then you <laughs> called your sister, and then she told you <laughs> the exact same thing, and then you were like, oh, Samina, you were right.'" <laughs> and then after I made it, and I was like, "Oh, it worked!" Like maybe two minutes later, I, I called or I texted, I can't remember, and I said, "Samin, this should be a podcast." Samin Nasrat, chef detective. Where she solves <laughs> the mystery of whatever is m- messing up your dish. And she laughed and laughed. <laughs> well, also, just so everybody like understands, it was maybe six weeks after my show had launched on Netflix. <laughs> I was still in the midst of what felt like a never-ending... I mean, it was a many-months-long press tour. 
Yeah, you were in L.A. to do a bazillion interviews. Yeah, and it was just, it was really, you know, like I was still in the middle of this whole thing. Like I couldn't figure out. It, I was not in a position to be like, okay, cool, let me start my next thing. You know, Yeah, it was and I was not. also, I was making Song Exploder and The West Wing Weekly. Yeah. All right, I was doing, you know, six to seven episodes of a podcast a month. So it wasn't really something that either of us could feasibly do at the time, but I liked the idea so much. And I no, but we, also we, like within five seconds, Rishi was like, I would say in less than eight hours, he sent me a spreadsheet. <laughs> you, sent, you, you sent me a Wait, spreadsheet. Is that, is that how your brain works? Like when you kind of think of a, of a idea, it's all spreadsheets for that well, point? Yeah, you Google. had like a full production schedule and budget. <laughs> like... <laughs> I think it was a little later before we got to that point, but at some point I definitely long before we actually launched, I did have a like a schedule and budget. Yeah, I definitely think in terms of Google spreadsheets or at least Google spreadsheets is a way for me to map out the jumble in my brain when I get excited about an idea and I'm like, "Oh my god." Okay, and then, you know, then I can lay it out there and be like, "Okay, look, now it's something that I can send to somebody else and it doesn't just feel like idea vomit." So this is one of those rare situations when somebody goes, this is a great idea for a podcast, and it actually is. <laughs> um, so what were the circumstances that actually led to the creation of Home Cooking? Samin, did, she posted something on Instagram, in her Instagram stories, about offering advice or, or something for people who were hoarding beans or about to hoard <laughs> beans. You know, and it was a relief to see something helpful in the middle of the the chaos of all this and, and especially a lot of the anxiety and fear that was gripping everybody. So I texted Samin and I said, okay, maybe this is our podcast. Instead of Chef Detective, which would have been a more complicated, in-depth kind of Like uh, highly produced thing. Yeah. Down the rabbit hole kind of deal. What if we just do what you're proposing here? You know, let's let's just answer people's questions because everybody is going to be home cooking. We could call the show Home Cooking. She said yes right away. She just said okay, are we doing this? And uh, I was like, yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> Home cooking has a simple premise, answering questions from listeners about what to cook with the food they have at home. Sometimes my favorite questions that we get, and I don't know if it was the very first episode, but definitely in the early episodes are the ones where it's people who have really very specific and kind of extreme constraints. Mm. So there was a bus driver, for example, in Seattle and this was before sort of we had really clear information about, you know, this was when people were still wiping down their groceries when they brought them from the grocery store. Mm. Like we just didn't know exactly how COVID was transmitted. And so she just was like, I'm not sure what I should bring for lunch and I don't have a way to reheat it. And so what can I bring for lunch that's not going to be refrigerated? What are some mm. ideas? You know, and that'll that, last, you know, that'll f still feel good for and lunch. And still will be delicious. And then if I and if I can't like touch it, I can still, yeah. you know. So that was kind of a way to help somebody that felt really meaningful. Or another person wrote and they had a really extreme budget. It was a really extreme budget. It was maybe like $20 for a week or something like that. Hmm. Those are the kind of questions that are then sprinkled in with, <laughs> you know, like, my garden gave forth 3,000 pounds of cucumbers. What do I do? You know, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Or I got way too many squashes in my in my CSA box. What do I do? Or whatever. You know, there's all different kind of... We got a question from someone who had had COVID and had lost their sense of smell mm. as a result. And, you know, and, and the olfactory system is all related. And so she could not taste. And she was like, what can I eat that'll still feel pleasurable? 
And that was a really interesting one to tackle as well. When a person loses the sense of smell, which I think the percentage of taste that is smell is something like 75 or 80 percent. So without smell, you really can't taste much. Yeah. That's called anosmia. Some weird factoids that will help you. Spiciness, like as in pepper, hot pepper, is not a flavor. It's not a taste. It's a feeling. Hmm. So spiciness does something to your actual body, and that has nothing to do with smell or taste. So it actually causes you pain. <laughs> you know, that's what, like, <laughs> it's mild pain and that, that we get used to and that, that we come to love. Like this podcast for you. Yeah, kind of like this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I would say one thing that you could do is start introducing different kinds of chili oils and jalapenos and like spicy spices to create some sort of sensation in your eating. After the break, Halsameen and Rishi bring their experiences through their podcast and their Thanksgiving tables. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps. Alaist has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAist.com events. Quarantine cooking is truly the great equalizer. Because it's not just average Joe listeners who are having a hard time. Home cooking also features some well-known names and celebrities who are trying to make do with what they've got. Like, what goes into Sam Sanders' go-to quarantine dish? I was like trying to think of like my most struggle frittata. And there was one time where I was like, everything needs to be out of the freezer and fridge before I go back to the grocery store. And I made one frittata where it was just like... I don't know why I had it, like a package of diced ham and some frozen snow peas. <laughs> and that was the frittata. And it was filling. And it worked. And it still looked pretty. Yeah. Was it good? That sounds actually pretty good. Ham and peas is a pretty classic combo. Ham and peas. Ham and peas. Or how W. Kamau Bell is making breakfast for his daughters. There's a thing like that I have made with, for my kids for years that I sort of stopped because I got busy that is great for Juno is two-ingredient banana pancakes. You guys must know about this. You're a cultured people. Well, I heard about the two-ingredient banana pancake from Padma Lakshmi's Instagram a few years ago. <laughs> I've never heard about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a, it's kind of brilliant, especially for kids, because all it is is a banana and two eggs. So it's just like, so you can feed them pancakes, but also feel like they actually got something inside of them other than wheat and, uh, you know. Maple syrup and, and stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Is it literally two ingredients? I mean, you can put, you you can spice it up. I'm sure Padma covered this because she knows how to do stuff. But yeah, you can like, <laughs> so I do mine with a little bit of baking powder, a little bit of vanilla, and a little, just a hint of cinnamon for the, for the aromatics. I don't know if you guys know that word. <laughs> <laughs> 
And when the pandemic didn't end after the show's original four-episode run, Samin and Rishi decided to just keep going. We were both happy to see the end of that four-part series. You know, and then after a couple of weeks, we were like, we kind of missed. I mean, I'm, I really like my friend and we're both extroverts. And I love having a reason to be like in constant contact mm. with them. I mean, not that I need that, but like it's just a nice thing that we get to make and we get to be in contact with the outside world in this time when we're not really in contact with the outside world. And we missed it. We missed it. And I have to say, there is a lot of joy in it for us. And mm. it feels like as much as sure we're doing this thing to give some cooking advice to people, it feels like really people listen to it way more to get their mind off of how the terribleness of the world. <laughs> That's why we do it and, you know, the point of it is. And it feels good to make something that is delivering that to people. Well, let's, let's stay there a little bit. Like, what do you, where does the joy come from? Like, tell me a little bit about that for you guys. I mean, this is so sappy, but and I'm not being sarcastic at all. But for me, it's truly, I really love my friend. And I She's really... talking about me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she goes out of her way not to That's mention me specifically, name. but. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Rishi. Now you have it on tape. <laughs> For all of eternity, you could just put it on loop and play yep. it over and over make... again. I, you need a picture frame for audio. <laughs> I think it's your doorbell. That's that's what it is. Or your <laughs> ringtone. Oh, my ringtone. Every time Samin calls, she's like, I really love Rishi. <laughs> I hate myself. That's what, there was an episode where I made, where I edited Samin to say, Rishi, you are so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you just cut different words together? Like, yes. like, like a deep fake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, for, I I don't know. Like I I don't know. I mean, Nick, this, you're like this is a therapy moment right now. Like, if you really want to know, for me, a lot of what I have gone through in the last two years, as a like in the growth of myself and like my role in the world as a public person and mm. as a you know with this platform that I have and all the increased visibility that I have, and figuring out like what it is you know people want from me, and how it is that I'm supposed to do that, you know, like, and mm. give people in the audience what it is that will bring them, you know, the greatest happiness is uh, I, I feel like I'm a conduit of joy for a lot of people. Mm. But in order for me to be that conduit of joy, I have to be feeling some joy. And I have not been feeling a lot of joy. Like I was already so burnt out going into this year mm. and already really depressed. I already had like a big bout of depression even before COVID hit. Mm. Like, this has just been a hard year and it's a hard time. Yeah. Is it is it to some extent that both of you kind of understand what the other person is going through in, in terms of being like a public person? Definitely. I mean, for, yes. For I don't want to speak for you, but I feel that. I'm really glad to have someone going through a lot of the same stuff. I feel like my job on the show is to... How do I put this? Love Samin. <laughs> Basically. Um... <laughs> Like, my job is to sort of just set the pins up for, for Samin to knock down, you know? Mm. Wigman, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And 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 because I, I know how much people love her and how much they get from her wisdom about cooking and also just from the joy of her personality, the jokes are so dumb just because I'm trying to get her to laugh <laughs> because, you know, 
some, somebody on Twitter uh, a couple of days ago was like, you know, Samin's laughter is all is like the tonic you need for happiness or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of sentiment, I see that all the time. And so I'm just, you know, I wish I had better, more sophisticated jokes, but I'm just going to do whatever I can to get Samin <laughs> to laugh and get that on tape intermixed with her dispensing this really valuable insight for people. Hmm. I'm not specifically someone who's equipped to be able to help people in this way, but I can help Samin help people in this way. That's not to say that Samin didn't question the concept of home cooking. She wasn't buying that a show with such a simple premise could have real depth to it. I've been thinking about food and podcasts for a Mm. long time and how I could make an interesting and enjoyable and entertaining food podcast. It's a puzzle because Mm. a lot of food podcasts exist and they tend to be conversational ones, you know, or some Mm. of them are sort of reported ones, but they're not... To me, food is such... A thing that like food and audio are not natural partners, you know, Mm. you want to see food and smell it and taste it. It's not necessarily the like first medium I would think of for food. Mm. And I love storytelling. And for me, food is just a a way into storytelling, something that was take would take a lot of time. Like in a way, I imagined it like a fun, silly food kind of sister of mystery show or heavyweight, you know, Mm. (laughs) and those stories take a year sometimes to produce, yeah. you know, that's a huge time commitment and so much labor from so many people. Right. And so when all of a sudden, like Rishi pl- said, Hey, how about this thing where we just like collect questions from people and record in a closet, <laughs> you know, in my mind, like my immigrant child self was like, no, that's taking the easy way out. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the cheating way. And I, I could I, I can relate to that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I, and like, and I just was like, but if I'm going to put something out, it has to be the very best thing in the whole world. That's like the hardest, most epic thing that I could ever do. Like, I could never put something out that's simple and fun and easy, you know? And so there was kind of an extended conversation where I was, I did have some doubt and I was like, Rishi, are you really sure? Is this really the right thing? If I do this, does it take away the opportunity Hmm. in the future? Will people be disappointed? Like, is it this dumb thing? And I will say like, I, it took me past those four episodes, but I did have this moment where I was like, Rishi, I was wrong. We have made something so joyful and so beautiful and you do such great work. I mean, Rishi's so good at what he does. And I really went back and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry if, you know, those original like insecurities and doubts that I had came off as any sort of doubt in your ability, you know, because Mm -hmm. it really was about me. It wasn't about you because you do such a great job. And he like I sometimes listen and I'll be, I'll just laugh. And I'm like, how did you create this like silly, charming, joyful thing? And the, you know, he composes all the music and he puts it all together and it makes this like a podcast equivalent of pantry cooking, like during, it's like a quarantine cooking. <laughs> it's just a different idea. You know, just the need of it is different than telling one sort of long narrative story. It's like, how can we help people in the way that they need help right now? One of those things I think was really like having something that would cheer them up. And this just felt like a direct way to respond to that. So uh, this episode is kind of our Thanksgiving show. Um, And I want to know what you both are up to for the holiday uh, and what you think is going to be like to celebrate this year. 
I am going to go down to a friend's ranch in Southern California where I'm like quarantining before and I'm going to, and then we're just going to cook a bunch together and I'm going to be on a farm and feels really, I'm excited mm. to have something to look forward to. I've been looking forward to it for over a month. It feels important to have things to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and there, you know, she has um, three generations of her family are living there. So it actually will have that feeling of a, you know, a family gathering, which will be nice. Mm. And I didn't grow up with Thanksgiving as, as like a family holiday for me. So I've never felt like missing out if I'm not with my own family. So it's always mm. been a thing where I gather with like one group of friends or another. So to me, it's just... I'm excited to have something to do and somewhere to go. This is only the second <laughs> time I'm leaving my house this whole time. So, mm. but it does feel, I don't know. Everything feels so upside down right now. So I'm so excited to have somewhere to go. I, I, yeah, I feel one of the lucky, lucky, lucky few who gets to go somewhere. And, and also because I live by myself and I'm just one person, you know, I like quarantine, mm. I get tested and I get to show up and it's pretty uncomplicated for me. And also I'm the cook, you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm excited to show up and like cook whatever people want. Like I'm like, because that's the thing I've really been missing this whole time. Like cooking has been so unjoyful for me because cooking is not about food for me. Like cooking is about people mm. <laughs> and there have been no people. So it's a big treat for me to get to um, have people to feed. Honestly, for me, I feel like I'm celebrating Thanksgiving through our podcast. For me, Thanksgiving is such a family tradition it was like the big holiday in my house. I mean, starting with when I was maybe seven or eight years old, mm. my family started hosting Thanksgiving every year. And it's really strange to have Thanksgiving without some contingent of my family mm. here to celebrate with. But we've really ended up putting that spirit into the Thanksgiving episodes. So we were doing <laughs> two parts. In the first part, we took on a bunch of listener questions like we normally do. In the second part, um, which has not come out yet at, at the time of this recording, we're basically celebrating Thanksgiving the way that I imagine celebrating it in quarantine. We're calling our family. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, both of you are children of immigrants. Um, and I asked this like, as an almost immigrant myself, what is it like to merge your cultures into such an American holiday like Thanksgiving? Because for me, it's always been a bit of a block. Like, I, I haven't personally really internalized Thanksgiving. Oh, I think, well, one, it certainly helped me to start, you know, when I was so young. But our Thanksgiving was absolutely a hybrid event. You know, um, mm. it was uh, it was a combination of an entire Thanksgiving dinner, you know, with like turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing and all of that stuff. But then also because you can't have like an Indian gathering family and friends get together without it also being a potluck. It was also <laughs> a, a potluck full of Indian food. So, and my mom is vegetarian. She doesn't eat Turkey. And so she would make Indian food. So we had, I think probably the equivalent of like me three meals for 120 people <laughs> for because, because we would actually have like 40 or 50 people and all of those people would bring food for everybody. It was really intense on the food side of things but it was really nice because i always had for me thanksgiving was always a combination of indian food and thanksgiving food together on the same plate which sounds and, uh, so good to be honest oh, that, like, that's so young yeah. and so good <laughs> that was so nice when Zamin wrote about the mango pie because that was she wrote about that part of it this thanksgiving tradition mm. that is 
you know, mango. So it has this like really Indian flavor to it, but it's in the form of a Thanksgiving pie. And I was so happy that she saw that kind of hybridization that to me represented entirely the spirit of what Thanksgiving was in my house. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, I really awesome. appreciate this and, and I really love the show. Thank oh, you. Thanks so much, Thanks Nick. for your support. Yeah, thank Good you so much. Good luck with everything. Thanks for having <laughs> us on. Servant of Pod is written and hosted by me, Nick Kwa. You can check out more episodes at alias.com slash servantofpod. The show is produced by Andreas Wahe, Jessica Elpert, and John Prati at Procopo Punch. Web design by Andy Cheatwood and the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Logo and branding by Leo G. Thanks to the team at Alias Studios, including Kristen Hayford, Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Muller, and Leo G. Serving a Pot is a production of Alias Studios. River is running dry. Water may not reach millions of people. So if there's no water, there's no water for everybody. It's up to California's lead negotiator, a 28-year-old. This is a historic thing coming. And six other negotiators to find a solution. I want an agreement that lessens the pain for all of us, not just some of us. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water deal maker, wherever you get podcasts.